Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 3.2 of the Living to Thrive with Cancer podcast. This is, as I said, episode two, and it's the second episode in the new season of the podcast. This third season is going to continue to move through the concept of life with cancer and all of the things that you may encounter and that you can do to reclaim your life and transform your health one action at a time. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk about the frustration that comes with the changes in your brain, the three things that you can do to increase concentration and focus, and the strategies I personally use to support my brain and memory. Now, if you're a new listener, I really want to welcome you to the podcast. You have landed here for a reason that you might not even be aware of yet, but I am so confident that you are going to figure it out. If you find what you learn here today to be helpful, please share this with other people that you know could benefit from this episode. Sharing helps me to support more people living with cancer and to help them move from survivor to thriver. And if you want to go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram, I would love to have you as part of that community. You can find me at Catherine White Wellness. Give me a follow and then take a screenshot of that follow. Send it to me as a DM and I'm going to send you a free copy of my guide to managing cancer in everyday life. There's lots of stuff in it that I think you would benefit from. Okay, we have got a lot to get covered today. So here we go. Welcome to the Living to Thrive with Cancer podcast, a podcast about the big and little issues that come with living with cancer. I'm Catherine White, a stage four colon cancer thriver, passionate about supporting others who have faced a cancer diagnosis and are looking to feel empowered in taking back control of their health and happiness. My own health scare helped me to learn more about myself and how to live with cancer, and it led me to become a cancer support coach so I can help others through the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and all the crazy things that come with life with cancer. So let's get started. Hello, fellow Thriver. One of the big concerns that I hear from my clients is that their memories and their ability to focus post-cancer just aren't the same. And I am here walking the walk with you. I have found, and maybe you have too, that post-cancer, my brain changed. My short-term memory is not great. It's frustrating, I admit. Um, If I get sidetracked mid-sentence, I can easily lose track of what I was saying. Like, completely forget what my conversation was. And I've had people look at me with this look of like, are you crazy? And sometimes I feel like I am a little bit crazy, but I also know that there's a reason for this. So I used to feel a lot of shame around this whole sidetracked brain going in its own direction, forgetting everything. But I also felt a lot of grief around this loss because that is what this is. It's a deep loss of who I was before cancer and of what I was able to do. I was a teacher and could manage 30 kids, my grade level department, the requirements of the job, and all of the stuff around having my own kids in a life. And I've been grieving this loss of the ability to do and be it all. But what I've learned is that this feeling doesn't serve me. It isn't going to improve my brain and it isn't going to help me. And I've done a lot of work around sort of like getting over myself and moving forward. So I have accepted and embraced that this is the new version of me, like it or not. And I'm not only retraining myself, I'm also retraining the people I interact with so that I don't feel humiliated or stupid, for lack of a better word. So all of this can be very 
frustrating and life-changing, as I'm sure many of you know. Because it's really easy to feel discouraged when you lose focus and concentration, like you're totally going, you've got the thing going on, the conversation, you're doing something, and then poof, like it's just gone. Just like it disappeared into thin air. And that can be really disheartening to see yourself changed in that way, to not be who you used to be. But I want to share with you that there are some proven ways that you can increase your focus and discipline over time, and I highly recommend them due to their effectiveness. Like These are things that I actually use in my own life. Um, It's a work in progress. I always want to admit that I am not a perfect person by any means, but I'm trying, and I'm really embracing the fact that my brain needs this kind of support. So I'm going to share with you three ways to increase concentration and focus over time because it is a process. So the first way, and this may not come as a surprise to you if you've been listening to the podcast, is through meditation. And I've talked to you before about how meditation isn't a perfect practice. You don't have to be sitting in a room by yourself, you know, focusing with candles around you. Meditation can be very personalized. But what I do know and what is proven about meditation is that it can increase concentration and focus over time. And there's a lot of studies around that showing they're really starting to dive into the benefits of meditation for the brain. So these studies are showing that the brain waves actually change during meditation and that is helping to improve concentration and focus. It also has a wide number of meditation, has a wide number of associated medical benefits, which come with this whole cancer story, right? The alleviation of depression and the lowering of blood pressure, for example. Bringing this calm into your life can help with many, many parts, but it also is one of the most direct ways to increase focus and discipline. And meditation, like I said, it's a lifelong practice. It's not just a quick fix. So to help you get started, I just want to offer you this. Sit in a quiet space and just breathe. Pay attention to your inhale and your exhale. Notice the temperature of your breath. Notice the rise and fall of your chest. And maybe you can even notice a subtle shift in your energy. And just do this for a few minutes. And then gradually add time to this practice. That, my friends is a very simple meditation. The second way to increase concentration and focus is actually rest and relaxation because these two pieces are essential. Many people really fail to optimize rest. They just want to go, 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 do all of the things. But optimizing rest is also a way to improve your concentration and focus. So an example of this would be getting a good night's sleep. Now I know that that can be a bit of a struggle in itself and that is definitely a whole other podcast episode, but trying to get yourself into a good night's sleep could include um, things like maintaining a clean room, free of technology and clutter. Like So decluttering your space brings you into a place of calm, which allows you to ease under your sheets, under your big cozy blanket with calm. Maybe you want to diffuse some essential oils in your bedroom. Lavender is a beautiful essential oil for calm. And you can also consider eating some sleep-inducing foods a few hours before bed, foods that have magnesium in them that help to um, relax your muscles, relax your brain, relax your body. So 
to help you get started with this, just pick one thing that you think you can change about your sleep routine and do it every day for a week. So maybe you're just going to get room darkening curtains. That's really helpful. I love my room darkening curtains because they block out the streetlights, they block out the sunrise, they block out even a little bit of noise. So that's just an idea, but pick one thing that's easy for you to access. It doesn't have to be complicated. Do it every day for a week and start building it into a habit and then gradually add other practices in. And the third one should not come as a surprise to you if you are a follower of the podcast, and that is diet and exercise. Diet and exercise are integral to how much focus and concentration you have. So when you eat a healthy and balanced diet and have an appropriate amount of exercise, you will have more focus, more willpower to do things, and more concentration. Now, the biggest challenge in this is getting motivated. Getting started can be so hard when you don't feel focused. Like, how do you get focused on getting started when you feel like your focus isn't there? How do you talk your brain into believing that this is going to be good for you when your brain is not functioning at an optimal pace that you want it to be, or it's forgetting things, or it's cluttered, or it's overwhelmed? But I want to offer to you that even though getting started can be really hard when you don't feel focused, having a lack of focus can stop you from making the changes to how you eat or how you start a new movement habit. And your brain is going to be that jerk that it can be, and it's going to give you every reason why it's hard and why you shouldn't do it. And that's where people get stuck. So a very simple solution for getting started is start with drinking more water. And you may have heard me say that before. It's kind of like a broken record. Like just start with water. Water is easy. It's an easy way to support your body. And then you can start to add an exercise that feels good for you. And that's easy for you to do. And that might just be like a walk around the block. That might just be a short, simple walk that you can gradually increase the distance or the time. Or maybe you want to find something else that you can do for like 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Mostly, I do 15 minutes of yoga every morning. I don't do a full hour of practice, but I do 15 minutes after I've had my glass of water and admittedly my coffee. And that movement reinvigorates my body. It activates my brain because with yoga, my brain and my body need to be working together to keep me moving, to get in and out of the poses for my balance. Like all of these benefits around a yoga practice that I am finding, but maybe you'll find that in something that works for you, something that you're more comfortable with. So these are definitely tools that I use. These ideas of doing a little bit of meditation, engaging in this practice of rest and relaxation, and starting to think about your diet and your exercise. These are things that I teach my clients clients who are struggling with memory issues and the frustration around that because they're tools that work. Now, I also want to share that when I first started noticing these things about myself eight years ago, post-treatment, and I was verbalizing it, people really blew me off. 
Like I, I started to talk to people about this idea of like, I just, I feel like my brain isn't the same anymore. You know, chemo brain, right? I also think that part of it is related to the number of times, the number of hours that I've been under anesthesia, which can also impact your brain. But people like literally blew me off. They said, oh no, it's your age. You're getting older. I was only 43 at the time. And I'd just, I'd like to say that 43 is not getting older. I'm 51 right now. And I don't feel like 51 is really getting older either. So I don't buy that whole placing all of the blame on you're getting older. Other people say, oh, well, it's perimenopause. You know, you're entering that time of your life. Mm, Well, at the time when I started to notice that my brain had changed, I was not in that place. It wasn't a perimenopause thing. I knew it was bigger than that. And then other people said it was because I was overwhelmed by everything that had happened. And yes, I would 100% agree. I was overwhelmed by everything that had happened. There was a lot happening in my brain. But at the same time, there was a lot not happening in my brain. So I'm not overwhelmed anymore. This is the work that I have been doing to reduce my overwhelm, to reduce my stress, to clean up my diet, to meditate, to move, all of these things. And I still have memory issues. So what I've realized is that this is my reality and maybe this is your reality too. Like this is what it is. And I don't want to make excuses for it. I want to own it. So what I could have done was just shut down and pulled back gone into hiding, that would have allowed me to avoid feeling embarrassed and uncomfortable. But that's not a valuable solution. Hiding doesn't make the problem go away. It just puts it in a box that's eventually going to fall off the shelf and barf the contents back out again. So it's kind of a case of deal with it now or deal with it later because it's still an issue. So instead of hiding, these are the three things that I did. My first strategy was that I started doing puzzles and brain challenging activities. I got back into knitting, which required me to focus and read a pattern. So reactivating those pathways of brain to hand signals. I also did jigsaw puzzles. This activated my um, visual spatial brain because I was looking for um, shapes and patterns and how to put them together. And then other things that you could do that maybe you would enjoy would be like Sudoku or other crafts or practices that make a connection between your brain and your hands or things like crossword puzzles and word searches for word recall and memory building. Because sometimes words are hard when your brain is doing its own thing. And I'll tell people that I'm like, wait, I know the word. Just give me a second. And, and it will take me a moment. But eventually, I typically find the word or a version of the word. It's just, that's just another one of my strategies around challenging my brain to do what I need it to do. The second thing that I did was I realized that I needed a system. Systems make the world go around and systems make our life a little bit easier. So I came up with a system of visual cueing for myself, a visual cue for when I need to remember something. So when I have to do something and I can't write it down on a list, I can't get to a piece of paper um, or I can't put it in a voice memo on my phone, which is also another strategy, um, I raise a finger on my hand, like my pointer finger. I will literally walk around with my pointer finger up and I attach the task that I need to do verbally to that finger. 
So maybe I need to um, remember to turn on the, the slow cooker to make dinner. I will give myself that verbal reminder and raise my pointer finger until I go and complete the task. Or maybe it's that I need to um, file something that was on my desk and it's really important that I get to it. I will remind myself, you need to go and file that piece of paper, have my finger up, tell myself what it is, and then go and do it as quickly as I can so that I don't forget. So this is a visual cue to me that I need to do something. So it's funny because Other people will ask me what I'm doing. They're like, why do you have your finger up? That's just kind of strange. So I explained it to them. I said, this is how I remember that I need to get something done. And sometimes, friends, I'll even have like three fingers up. So now, if I need to get the task done or write it down sooner or later, I will use this strategy because it works. So you may have heard me mention in the past that I work with an air cadet unit, a whole bunch of teenagers and staff, and some of them, my staff for sure, and some of the cadets actually know what this means. They know when they see me walking around with my finger up that when I say they need to wait so I can do or write the task down, that they need to wait. They completely recognize that, and the kids don't ask what it's all about, but the staff does or they they know now, so they don't have to ask anymore because I'm honest about it. I need to do something right now. I will be right back. And people are just accepting of that. If they think I'm crazy, that's not my problem. That's a them problem, not a me problem. The last strategy that I've adopted is a little bit more vulnerable. But over almost nine years of living with cancer, vulnerability has become part of who I am. I am not ashamed of this. In fact, I embrace it. This strategy is for me to just tell people that I need a minute. This buys me some time to dig into my brain to try to recall what I'm supposed to know. Like I will literally say to people, please don't start a conversation with me that begins with, remember when you said? Nine times out of 10, I don't remember. And depending on the person, depending on who it is, I'll pick and choose how much I share. But I will be honest and say that I don't remember or I can't recall the situation. But I also ask them to fill in the blanks of what I'm supposed to be remembering. Like, can you give me some clues? Can you, like, where were we when we talked about this? Or who was there? Or what was the context? And when they give me context, then things start to come back. And typically, I can fill in the blanks of the conversation. And if I can't, I'm just really honest and say, you know what? I really don't remember what we were talking about. Can you just just help me out here and tell me what I need to know? And sometimes, again, depending on who it is, I'll even tell them why this is a problem. Well, it's not my problem because I have solutions around it, but why it is a situational problem. I'll tell them why I struggle and what's happened that's got me to this place. And I tell them that these are my strategies and that this is what works for me. And being honest seems to work. Like I feel less judgment on myself and more compassion for myself when I'm honest with myself and honest with others. Now, I will say that in doing this, I've had to learn to navigate the look, you know, that look, the one of pity or confusion or like complete discomfort on the face of the other person. But I just remind myself that their discomfort is a normal response and that I don't need to own it. 
I will, however, have compassion for the bomb I just dropped in their lap if I told them that, well, I had stage four colon cancer and my brain doesn't really work as well as it used to. I I will have some compassion for that because it can be a little uncomfortable for other people, as I'm sure you know. It's a tricky thing, learning to love yourself for who you are and to forgive the process for these losses. Now, on the flip side of that is to remember that you're still here. And that's a gift. So I will take my lumps and learn how to navigate this new version of me with gratitude for what was done to save my life and allow me to be here today. It's really important. It's really important to have these tools and strategies. And it's really important to have compassion for yourself as you're navigating life with cancer. This is reality. This is the life that we are living. And we get to make it the life that we want it to be. Now, if you would like some help in supporting your life with cancer, maybe you want to feel better in your life, I have some options for you that I'd like to share with you. If you're looking for resources in a coaching space where you can interact with other cancer thrivers, you can join my Living to Thrive program. This is six modules related to the body, mind, and spirit that will help you to develop strategies and to transform your life with cancer. It includes recipes, meditations, yoga videos, self-care practices, and so much more. And you get access to twice a month group coaching calls. And if you're living with cancer and you're looking for personalized support, my Empowered Healing three-month personalized coaching program is a safe and private space for you to learn, share, and get the support you want and need. My one-to-one clients share with me that they always feel so good after our calls because they get to say the things to me that they can't say to the people that they love because they're afraid of hurting them. They talk through their thoughts around treatment, surgery, how they feel about their body, their fears around returning to work, and so much more. So if this feels like the space you need to be in and the support you've been looking for, just schedule a free discovery call with me. I am available uh, in the show notes to book a call, or you can find it in my Instagram bio at Catherine White Wellness. I currently have space for four private clients, and I would love for you to be one of them. And the third option is that maybe you're just considering investing in yourself and your health, and you just want to ease into it, which is a great way to get started. So to learn more about me and how I can support you as a cancer coach, you can try my Wellness Through Food course. It's a self-paced program that'll introduce you to healthy eating and why it's important. Pre-recorded videos that walk you through how food is an important part of supporting yourself and your body. There are six modules for you to follow where you can start to build self-belief around supporting your body and then move through each module to build on that belief and gather information and tools. It's a $47 investment in yourself and I know it will help you to start making small changes that make a big difference. And you can find the link for that in the show notes or head to katherinewhite.coach forward slash wellness through food to purchase the course and get started. And of course, If you want some help making that decision, because decision overwhelm is a real thing for cancer thrivers, I can help you with that too. Let's just get on a call, talk about what your needs are to make sure you get into the space that is the best fit for you. Because this is your cancer story and you get to decide what it's going to look like. And friends, if you've enjoyed this or other episodes, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review wherever you're listening. This helps me to reach more people like you who are looking for support and guidance and a different way to live with cancer. 
hit subscribe. Make sure you follow the podcast so you can gather the tools and strategies that you can bring into your thriving life. And you can go head over to my website and get yourself on my email list to receive weekly emails and updates about what is going on in my world that can help you in your world. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. And may you live your life to your fullest, follow your heart, and thrive in all you do.